Because what we see in the book of Mark at this specific time is that Jesus begins to call his disciples, the men who would be the apostles. And in Acts chapter 17, I want to give you two verses to show you what an impact these men had when they were willing to follow Jesus. And I believe the powerful impact that we can have if we will follow Jesus. It says in Acts chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, But the Jews, who were not persuaded what happened, Paul just got done preaching, people were being saved, changed, God was at work. Becoming envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out. Now listen to how these men were described, these disciples of Christ, the followers of Jesus. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I ask if someone was to describe your faith in Christ, would it have made any difference to anyone? Could your children say, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, they're not perfect, but their faith has changed my life. As an individual who goes to work every Monday, do the people that you work with, while they see you at your worst probably, at your grouchiest sometimes, at your most frustrated, could they say, they're not perfect, but man, their faith has changed my life. I'm not asking you to change the world today. I'm not asking you to have a testimony that says the world has turned upside down. But I am asking you, is your faith making a difference in the life of anyone? You say, well, I'm just a kid. That doesn't matter. I want to ask you this, students. Are you a person who is known by your classmates as someone who loves Jesus, loves them, is kind to them? Are you the student that goes out of your way to, to be kind to that individual that no one else is kind to? Are you willing to show love and mercy and grace? It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what you think God's called you to do. The only thing He has asked you to do is follow Him. Follow Him in every area of your life. And so this morning I hope that you and I will allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to evaluate us. If you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word in chapter 1 of the book of Mark, verses 16 through 20. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, <clears throat> he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, and you can repeat these two words with me if you would, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boats mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. If you would pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. 
Lord, we pray today that while this sermon will be challenging, Lord, it will be close to our hearts and homes and our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would use it for your glory to stir up in us, Lord, to challenge us, to, to cause us to be the people that you want us to be, to accomplish the purpose that you would have us to accomplish. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You say, well, Jake, things are different. God doesn't work and move and change lives the way uh, that He always does. But yet my Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if God wants to take sinful and broken people like you and I, save us by His grace, and then send us on a mission, the same has been said of all time. It was the same for Simon, it was the same for Andrew, it was the same for Paul, it was the same for Stephen, it was the same for John. God calls us, God tells us to follow me and I will use you for His glory. The question is, do you want to follow this morning? Now, we're going to look here in a few weeks when we look at the full list of the apostles and disciples about them, but today we're not. Today we're going to look at Jesus' command to follow. And the first thing I want to show you is this. If you're taking notes to write this down. Have I personally responded to the invitation? Have I personally responded to the invitation? Look there in verses 18 with us. It said in verse 17, follow me. He was speaking to them. And what did they do? They immediately followed. They accepted the invitation to go. In verse 20, he immediately called them, spoke to them, talked, told them. And what did they do? They got out of the boat and went. They followed him. A personal invitation was given and they responded. We know in the New Testament that if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you first have to humble yourself and allow Him to become the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible tells us that you must be born again. You must repent of your sins and trust in Him. That means you have to turn from your lifestyle of sin and wickedness and rebellion and turn to Him, accepting the free gift of salvation that is offered through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a follower until you were first a part of the faithful. And you're brought into the family of God. You say, well, Jake, I've been baptized. Jake, I, I take the Lord's Supper. Jake, I do things for God. None of that makes you a follower until you have personally responded to His invitation to come. That's why the Bible ends in the book of Revelation with the great invitation to come. To come, all who are thirsty, come. And so we see this, Jesus telling them, get out of the boat, follow me. Come, follow me. It is a personal invitation. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, we see that not everyone was able to follow this personal invitation. In Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit 
eternal life. The most important question that you will ever deal with is what must you do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, it says, So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Don't miss that. Jesus loved this man. doesn't say Jesus was angry with him, that he was vindictive toward him. He loved him. He goes on and says, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, this man asked what was the invitation. He asked what was the way to be saved. And Jesus tells him, you've got to forsake everything. It's not about the money. It's about the fact that this man loves something more than Jesus. And friends, today that might not be money for you. It might be your pride. It might be your hobbies. It might be your family. It might be your self-righteousness. But whatever it is today that you are in your heart, whether you would admit it or not, say, I love this more than I love Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, you must repent. You have to lay it down. It's Him or nothing. You either get all of Him or none of Him. You either are a child of God or you're a child of Satan. You say, Jake, you're going to meddle extremely close to the home this morning. You're right, but I'm not meaning to. We see this command to follow and we see other people who heard the message, who were involved in what was going on, but yet the cost is too high. I always get a kick out of it when people say, boy, I would have loved to be alive when Jesus was alive. I would have loved to be a follower when Jesus was alive. And in my mind I say, you can't even be bothered to come to church on Sunday. You're telling me you're going to forsake all? You won't even forgive your neighbor. But yet Jesus said you've got to forsake all. I I even asked myself that question. Boy, could I just pack up everything and go if Jesus said, come? And then I begin to think, you know what? The material things in this life are not near as hard as for me to give up than some of my own personal things. My own pride, my own selfishness. In Matthew chapter 11, um, starting in verse 28, Matthew chapter 11 Uh, we see that um, Jesus is telling the cities, He said, if the miracles done here were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, He said they would have received, excuse me, entire in Sodom. They would have believed. And He says, it'll be worse for you on the day of judgment than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah. And right after that, 
Right after that, he gives some of the most famous words the Bible ever says. In verse 28 it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. and You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's talking about responding to the gospel, to believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sin and the pain and the suffering that you and I carry with us. The consequences of sin are heavy. And what he says is you come. Now some people will say, well, this is for your problems and your situations. But what he says there in verse 29 is, and you will find rest for your souls. That's spiritual, that's emotional, it's, it's the things that will burden you bigger than anything. The burdens of life. You have to, but what he says, come to me. It's an invitation to follow. It's an invitation to come. If you are familiar with the book of John, in the book of John, Jesus asks this question, and the response is this. And as he's asking these tough questions, people begin to leave. The disciples who were many at one point, because it wasn't just the twelve, there were other people who were following and learning from Jesus. As he begins to teach and as things begin to get difficult, people begin to start bailing. And listen to what it says in John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back. And walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I ask you that today. Have you turned and went back? Have you turned and went back to the things that you did before you knew the Lord? I truly believe that if you are born again, you are saved, you are put in the palm of God's hand that you can never get out. I believe in the eternal security of the believer. But what I also believe is there are a whole lot of people sitting on these sheets and pews all over America today that have never been born again. They would tell themselves that they are saved. They would try to convince themselves that you are saved. But the Bible says if you have been set free, you have been set free. And the truth of God you know. If you are here today and you are questioning your salvation, if you are here today and you're trying to convince yourself that you were saved, I want you to know that you can know that you were saved. You can know that you have a relationship with Him. You can know that you've repented of your sins and called upon His name. First thing, have you responded to the personal invitation to come? Second thing I want to show you today, if you want to know if you're really following Jesus or not, is am I growing spiritually? Am I growing spiritually? Now I want to take you through this first man that was called by the Lord Simon. We know that he becomes Peter. And I want to take you through some examples of what Peter's life looked like following Jesus and the many failures that he had. 
Matthew chapter 14, one of the most familiar stories that you will hear of the miracles of God. So he said, come. And when Peter had walked on the water to go to Jesus. You say, you believe that Peter really walked on water? Absolutely. I believe Jesus really walked on water. I believe when the Bible talks about a miracle, that's exactly what happened. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus begins to teach that he is going to the cross. That he is going to be betrayed. That he is going to die for the sins of the world. And listen to what Peter does here in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now friends, you might have made a fool of yourself at church, but you've never made a fool of yourself quite like this. Taking the Lord Himself aside and rebuking Him. Saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now I've wanted to say that, but I want to give you a piece of advice. If it's at church or at home, probably best to keep that to yourself. In John chapter 18, we know that when they came to arrest the Lord, it was Peter. In John chapter 18, verse 10, And suddenly one of them who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. You say, Jake, I thought you were talking about spiritual growth. Just wait with me for a moment. Because today, if the Spirit of God is really dealing with you, I'm not talking about if you're too prideful to humble yourself for salvation or you're too prideful to admit that you're not a Pharisee. But if you're here today and you really want to honor Jesus, you're going to look at your walk with the Lord and thought, man, I've made some mistakes. I've not read my Bible like I should. I've not been a witness at work like I should. I've not been the example of my kids like I should. Boy, I wish I wouldn't have said that in that meeting. If that's where you're at today, then I want you to know that you're on the right track. And Peter was the same way. He's looking at his life and all of these mistakes and all these failures. But I want to see you when you hit rock bottom here in Matthew chapter 26. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. This is when the Lord was on trial. The Lord was being beaten. The Lord was being tortured. All of these things for our sins. After Peter had said, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going with you. There's nothing that can separate us. A servant girl, a girl, came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And then again he denied with an oath, I do not know that man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them by your speech, for it betrays you. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know that man. Immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. 
You see, Peter had already admitted to Jesus that he was the Son of God. That he, there's nowhere else we can go. We've just looked at that. You are the ones of eternal life. And so, friends, when you follow Jesus, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall short. But the question is, when God deals with you, where do you go from there? Because after the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus shows himself to the disciples in Acts chapter 2, God's Spirit is poured out. People are, are, are speaking in different languages and, and all that's going on and, the, and the, the group says, there's a bunch of drunk people. A man stands up to preach to the thousands. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them. Now, this is how my small brain works, all right? I always wonder if that little girl would have been standing there again. The, sa the same little girl that would have said, weren't you with Jesus? No, not me! Or anyone from the group that would have heard him cursing and swearing that he didn't know the Lord. I wonder if any of them were sitting there when this man gets up to stand. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Oh, what's this guy going to tell us? Well, you, re you remember what he said. You remember how he showed himself in public. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And then he boldly goes on to proclaim what Jesus had done and who he was. We know from the Bible's words that there were thousands who were saved. I ask you today that your spiritual walk is not defined by your biggest failures, but the question is, now that God is dealing with you, what are you going to do with it? Once the Word of God has been preached or you've been taught in Sunday school and the conviction sets in and the Spirit of God begins to work on you, what are you doing with it? Are you growing spiritually? Are you becoming more mature in your faith? Are you taking the little things of God, the, the milk, as the Bible would say, and diving into the more important things? Are you serving God more than you used to? Are you just bobbing along like a boat without a motor? You're just floating around like a boat with no oars to row. The third and final thing, and I'll be done, is have you responded to the personal invitation? Are you growing spiritually? And then the third question, if you really want to know whether you were following Jesus, is do I serve him with humility? Do I serve him with humility? What we see from this passage of Scripture is the men that would be called to be the disciples. And as you follow them through the New Testament, they had moments of great victories and great defeats. For instance, how are we going to feed all these people? You can go on and there's another story when there are two men fighting and their mother goes to the Lord about who's going to sit on the right hand and the left hand of the Lord when He reigns in glory. And so the question is, after you are following Jesus, after you've allowed the Spirit to deal with you and you're growing, are you willing to serve Him with humility? In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, Keep my commandments. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us know, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so as you are following Jesus, I ask you that question. Are you doing the things that He's asked you to do? You say, well, Jake, I'm, I'm not a liar very much, or... Jake, I'm not hanging out in taverns or, or those kind of things. I'm not asking you about that. I'm not asking you about doing the things that God told you not to do. I'm asking, are you doing the things that God told you to do? Are you seeking His face? The Bible says if you'll draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. The Bible says if you will seek Him, you will find Him. The Bible tells us that we're to take the Great Commission the gospel to all the world through the Great Commission command? Are you sharing your faith at work? If I was to ask you today to stand up and say, have you shared your faith this week? I would bet, which I'm not a gambling man and I don't think you should be, I would say there are less than 10 individuals in this room that would have personally shared the gospel with someone this week. I don't know how many here are here this morning in this crowd, probably 165 or 170. Maybe. Less than 10. And I would say that is more than generous. But yet that's what we're commanded to do. To declare to a lost and dying world who Jesus is and what He's done to us. You say, I live out the gospel and use words when necessary. That is unbiblical. Don't share that on your Facebook page because I'm liable to tell you in the lobby to quit being dumb, All right. And if you shared that this week, I don't know, I'm not on Facebook. The gospel is literally the fact that Jesus came and He died for your sins and mine and was buried and rose again. And the message is for us to take to the world, to share with them. Yes, our lives should live it and should show it and support it. But friends, it's not enough just to live for the Lord. We are to declare the word of the Lord. We are to share what God has done for us. Well... What else does it look like to serve Him in humility? This is where you're going to get angry with me. And look at this face. I do not care. <laughs> if God has given you a talent, if God has given you a gift, if God has a calling on your life, and you are not using it for Him, it's sin. Oh, man. You say, Jake, I'm just too busy to serve God. Then you're not following Him. I'm too tired to serve God. You're not following Him. The disciples didn't get to say, well, let me finish casting this net, Lord. No, they left their dad in the boat. Well, you know, Lord, come with us. Well, no, if you just give us till tomorrow. Listen to what Paul said about himself. For us who grow too busy for the Lord or think we're too important for the Lord or that we don't des shouldn't serve Him. Paul, one of the greatest Christians in the New Testament, one of the men that God used in such a mighty way, listen to him describe himself in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Paul calls himself in other places a bondservant, a slave. Paul says, I've got no rights. I've got nothing other than Jesus. He said, I've got no mission other than where Jesus sends me. I know I have no other hope than what Jesus gives me. 
Everything I have is because of Him. Friends, that's the same way we are. We're His. We belong to Him. Beseech you to walk worthy of your calling which you were called. Remember what He said to the second two disciples in the boat? He called to them. Friends, if you are a child of God, God has a calling on your life. Not just for salvation, but for service. He has a purpose and plan for you. But he says, look here in verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says, God has a calling for your life. But this is how you should use it, in humility, in gentleness. But look what he says there in that last point, that there's a purpose behind it. To keep the unity of the Spirit. Why do churches have problems? It's because the people of God are not doing what God's told them to do. Why do you think Jamie gets frustrated? Because some of you out there have wonderful singing voices that God gave you that should be used for His glory. And this is what you look like on a Sunday morning. Listen, if you're constipated, go to the bathroom, right? Don't bring that nonsense in here. You come to the house of the Lord to worship. You say, well, I'm just stressed, I'm burdened, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. When Jamie starts singing that first song, these altars are open. If you come to church burdened, there is nothing that says you have to wait to the end of service to get right with the Lord. When he starts singing, you start coming. If you want to come during the announcements, come on, but ain't no one like the announcements, all right? Jamie don't like doing them and you don't like listening to them. But friends, you ought to come saying, Lord, I need you. I know I belong to you. I know you've got a plan for me. I know you've got a purpose for me. God, I want to be where you are using me. Because friends, that's where real joy comes from. That's where real peace comes. Why do you think they're frustrated in the children's wing? Because they're over there trying to fill the nursery with the same seven people that have been working in the nursery since 1932. Right? But it's because God's people who could do it won't do it. And that's the issue. We're not willing to follow Him unless it's convenient for us. Friends, this should be a place where the question is not will you, it's what can I? What can I do for the Lord? I'm ready to serve the Lord. I'm ready to use the talents that God has given me. I can't wait to see how God is going to use me. You say, no, Jake, we just come to watch you. Well, friends, you are in a bad position. Because, friends, what God is doing is you. In you is the most important thing for you. Not what God's doing for me. It's what He's doing in your life. Friends, I hope that God's working in your life. I hope that God's working in your marriage. But you know where I really want Him to work? Right here. You know whose marriage I really want Him working in? The one I live in. The one I'm involved in and you say well Jake I just don't agree with all of this well I'm glad that you feel that way unfortunately but I want to tell you what it says in Mark and I'll be done I promise in Mark chapter 12 listen to what the Bible says then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together perceived that he had answered them well and asked which is the first commandment of all? 
Jesus answered him, the first of all, the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely. I want you to stop right there and I want you to think about yourself. This man has listened to Jesus. He realizes that Jesus is teaching the right thing. Jesus is doing the right thing. And so he asks that question. And Jesus says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's it. you got to love him with everything and then you have to love other people. The man that asks the question repeats it back to him. You've said right. That's exactly right, Lord. But listen to Jesus' response. Because, friends, you can say the right thing and still miss eternal life. You can say and be in the right places and miss the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus said. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Now, you would say, Jake, what exactly does that mean? Well, it depends who you listen to. Everyone has a different opinion about what that means in verses 33 and 34. But the only thing I can figure is, is this man has been around the gospel. He's been close to the gospel. He's been exposed to the gospel. I don't know if he gets saved in the future. I, that's not, but all I can tell you is he's as close as you can be, and he's not. He's as close as he can be, and he is not. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Friends, that's why the Bible says that you can't just say it. You have to believe it. That's why it's not just hearing it. You have to respond to it. And friends, this morning, my challenge to you, I don't care if you're a deacon, I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher, I don't care if you're a pastor, I don't care if this is your first Sunday here, the invitation has been given to follow Him. The evaluation is, am I growing spiritually? And then the question is, am I humbly serving Him? And friends, if you cannot answer yes to those... You're not where God wants you to be. No matter who you are, what's your title. But the question is, this morning, like we looked at Peter, everything can be made right if you'll just let him. Friends, no matter where you've been or what you've done, if you will repent, the Bible says, and you will call upon the name of the Lord, whether for the first time or for forgiveness as a child of his, you will be forgiven. But you could be saying, as the looks that some of you are giving me, well, I don't care what you say. I'm fine just where I'm at. And I want you to look up here for just a minute. If you disagree with this, 
or I disagree with this, we are always the one that is wrong. This is the standard which I said at the beginning. This is the truth. And friends, God loves you. Just like he looked at that man that wouldn't follow him and said what? Loved him. Friends, you can say no. You can leave here the same way that you came. But it's not because God doesn't love you and I. If you would, stand with me as we pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I know this morning there are probably a lot of thoughts and emotions and a feeling going through heads. Lord, I know in my own heart when this sermon was being prepared, Lord, I was making excuses. I was making uh, debates with you, Lord, about why this shouldn't change or why this wasn't the right way or why this wasn't wrong. But Lord, I was wrong. And this morning I know that only your spirit, Lord, can convict Lord, only your spirit can draw. Only your spirit can be at work in this place, Father. That's it. We don't claim any trickery. We don't claim any wisdom. Lord, we are totally and dependently falling, asking for your spirit to work in this place today. Lord, I pray that if there's anything in my heart or life that would grieve your spirit or quench your spirit, that, Lord, you'd forgive me. And that during this time of invitation, your people, Lord, would respond. And Lord, for those that don't know you, that today would be that day. Lord, help us to be the church that you want us to be for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.